Do you frequently feel anxious? If so, you are in the right place because this episode is all about the scientific link between anxiety, autism, anorexia, as well as OCD. I have personal experience with all of these comorbid disorders, so I completely understand how hard and overwhelming life can feel sometimes, or perhaps all the time. However, I am here to tell you that just because you're used to living a certain way doesn't mean you have to live that way forever. Life is an adventure that throws obstacles at you, but through overcoming the obstacles and learning the strategies to dodge them, you discover your unique strengths and you learn how to not only manage what may seem like weaknesses right now, but you learn to embrace them and use them to your advantage. One of my favorite quotes is, your mess will become your message, of which the truth is so beautifully illustrated through my own journey. I almost died due to my eating disorder, but through literally fighting for my life to overcome the illness, I found my purpose, or should I say, my purpose found me, and that purpose is to spread the message that full recovery from an eating disorder is 100% possible for you. So yes, including my fellow autistics, anyone who struggles with anxiety or OCD or maybe all of it, as well as just anyone who feels that full recovery is not possible for them. Because full recovery is literally possible for anyone and everyone. Educating myself on the science behind why our bodies and brains behave in the way they do was a crucial part of my own recovery. It taught me that there was nothing wrong with me and that I was not broken. It allowed me to take responsibility for my health and for my actions and gave me hope that there was a better life out there. By combining my research with my personal experience and the incredible insights from working with clients, I now aim to help you gain a better understanding of yourself so you can embark on your own journey to freedom. In this episode, I explain a biological link between anxiety, autism, anorexia, and OCD, and how a certain part of the brain can help us understand why these conditions often occur together. You'll learn the role of the insula, a specific part of the brain, in managing our fight, flight, or freeze response, how interoception contributes to anxiety, and what alexithymia is and its role in heightened anxiety. You are definitely going to want to listen until the end of this episode because I share my three top tips for managing anxiety and just increasing your sense of overall calm and peace because don't we all want that? If at any point in this episode you think, wow, this is so interesting, or if you think, wow, this is so helpful, it would mean the world to me if you could share this episode on Instagram stories and tag me at LiveLabelFree or even just send the link to someone who you believe would benefit personally. That is a free and easy way for you to support me and to support this podcast as all the value I share here is for free. And with that said, it's time to get into loads of value and discuss the scientific link between anxiety, autism, anorexia, and everything in between. Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery 
autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. In the intro, I mentioned how one of my favorite quotes is, your mess will become your message. Well, I have another one for you, and that is, the opposite of anxiety is not calm, it is trust. Okay, just let that sink in for a sec. When I first heard this quote, I was completely awestruck by the accuracy of its simplicity, because for as long as I can remember, I struggled with anxiety. I was always worrying about what people thought of me, questioning whether I had studied enough to know the material on a test, and I was constantly checking to make sure everything was in its place. But when I heard this quote about anxiety being a lack of trust, it made me realize that that really was at the core of all of my fears of the worst case scenario. My desire to control people's opinions of me and get them to like me was because I didn't trust that they would like me for who I am. My obsessive studying and perfectionistic tendencies in school were because I didn't trust I would know the material. The OCD around items being switched on or off in a certain way was due to a lack of trust that they were just that. In the conversations I've had with my clients, my community on Instagram, and so many other amazing people I've met on my journey, I know I'm not the only one who experiences heightened anxiety. In fact, anxiety is one of the most common comorbid disorders amongst autistic individuals as well as those who struggle or have struggled with anorexia and or other restrictive eating disorders. Not to mention OCD in all of this, another frequently co-occurring condition in the world of autism and eating disorders. At a glance, it makes a lot of sense that feelings of anxiety and obsession are shared between the disability autism and the eating disorder. Both share a deep desire for predictability and routine, obsessive thoughts and interests, as well as fear of the unknown, which ultimately comes down to anxiety being a lack of trust again. We crave predictability because we don't trust what we don't know, and we will form routines to make the situation as comfortable and familiar as possible. Because we are constantly trying to sift through the thoughts of our chaotic minds, we come across as antsy, hyperactive, and controlling, while in reality we are just doing our very best to manage the intense feelings of overwhelming fear and worry. Despite it making sense that anxiety and OCD behaviors are shared among people on the autism spectrum and those who struggle with eating disorders, I simply cannot settle for a presumption without an explanation. And when I am looking for an explanation, I turn to science. I started to wonder if there was a biological explanation behind the anxious commonality in autism and eating disorders, and if so, what it was. Turns out a possible explanation is the malfunctioning of the insula in affected individuals. 
A while back, I recorded a podcast episode explaining how interoception can help us understand the scientific link between autism and anorexia, and it's actually episode two if you want to go back and listen, which I highly recommend you do in order to maximize your understanding of what I share in this episode. Well, back to this episode, individuals who do experience a combination of autistic, anorexic, and anxious traits are thought to lack interoceptive awareness, which is regulated by the insula. The insula is a small part of the brain responsible for a variety of homeostatic functions through regulation of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, which are our fight, flight, freeze, and rest and digest mode. When we are in our sympathetic nervous system due to heightened anxiety, our survival brain perceives a threat. Hence, the fight, flight, or freeze response activates, and we may feel either angry and upset, antsy and hyperactive, or completely paralyzed by our own racing mind, which can be called analysis paralysis. This seemingly automatic recourse to our sympathetic nervous system can again be explained by improper functioning of the insula. Due to the lack of interoception, which also affects interpretation of emotions, a person may lack the ability to identify their own emotions, a trait known as alexithymia. People with alexithymia may be over-responsive to inner cues of fear or worry which are generated in the amygdala, another part of the brain, and this can result in those excessive and often debilitating anxious thoughts. Besides the connection in autism and eating disorders, there also seems to exist a correlation between alexithymia and obsessive-compulsive disorder, which is known as OCD. In a recent study evaluating the difference of alexithymia in OCD patients and healthy controls, patients with OCD had significantly higher scores of alexithymia compared to the control group. Thus, alexithymia may also help explain why so many people with autism, eating disorders, and anxiety also struggle with OCD. So although you may be unable to physically change your genetic makeup when it comes to autism, eating disorders, anxiety, and or OCD, wow, what a mouthful, (laughs) I have found several ways to make my anxiety more manageable. And now I'm going to share my top three tips with you. Tip number one is to supplement with magnesium. So I originally started taking magnesium when I struggled with insomnia and no longer wanted to rely on melatonin supplements for sleep. I had been taking melatonin for years and thought it was the perfect solution, but turned out that I just needed melatonin because my own hormone was not working correctly because I was so malnourished (laughs) during my eating disorder. So as I did commit to full recovery and do all the things that come with that, I also got more interested in a more holistic, natural approach to health and wellness. And I started questioning the impact of relying on a hormonal pill, which literally is melatonin, to fall asleep each night. And after lots of research, I learned that taking melatonin as a supplement, especially at the 5 milligram dose I was taking it at, which is like insanely high, considering our body only makes like 0.3 milligrams naturally. So I learned that taking melatonin just at that high a dose was actually down-regulating my body's 
natural melatonin receptors and eventually you just would need to rely on the melatonin because your body could stop making it itself so all that to say in january 2020 i was like i i'm gonna stop i'm not going to rely on this anymore because this is crazy and i went through a long long phase of sleepless nights which again just proves how addicted i was to taking melatonin every night but eventually i did bring my hormones back to balance and during this time of insomnia it was actually magnesium that saved me and i still take magnesium today because it really helps me relax and i'm just going to share some scientific research um to why it does so magnesium is one of the seven essential macro minerals meaning us humans need to consume it in relatively large amounts compared to other micro minerals. Magnesium has several roles in the body, but for now I am just going to focus on its ability to support healthy brain function and help with muscle relaxation. So research shows that magnesium plays an important role in regulating neurotransmitters, specifically gamma aminobutyric acid or short for GABA so that's G-A-B-A and GABA's role in the brain is to reduce the activity of the neurons to which it binds. Because of its inhibitory function GABA plays an important role in managing anxiety. Therefore it's definitely worth looking into if you are an anxious person and are craving some peace of mind because again isn't that what we all want. So another key role of magnesium is to work alongside calcium to help regulate muscle movement. Taking a magnesium supplement before bedtime can help you feel more relaxed and thus get a better night's sleep. Furthermore, it can also help to reduce tension headaches and migraines because it relaxes those muscles that may be tight. So I take magnesium gummies every night because it's like literally having magnesium in a gummy form. So it's also like a little extra sweet treat at night. Um, and I will link the gummies I take in the description below. Now it's time for tip number two, and that is deep breathing. Because seriously, When's the last time you took a deep breath? If you're like me in my anxious phases, I'd have no idea. Many of us who struggle with anxiety are constantly running around worrying about every small detail that we quote unquote forget to just execute essential human functions properly, such as breathing. I used to tell myself that I don't have time for deep breathing or meditation or yoga or any of these mindfulness techniques, but that's exactly why you need to start doing it. Focusing on your breath is one of the easiest, most convenient, most effective ways to reduce stress and anxiety. Not to mention it is completely free. <laughs> I first started using the deep breathing technique to reduce eating-induced anxiety, which is a common type of anxiety among people recovering from eating disorders. When you take deep breaths, you stimulate your vagus nerve, which activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is also known as your rest and digest mode, which we talked about earlier in the episode. I actually dive way deep into how you can naturally improve your digestion through stimulating the vagus nerve in my upcoming Extreme Hunger course, so get on the waitlist if you're still not on it, and again, I will link that in the description of this episode. So 
What happens when you take slow controlled breaths is that you are consciously slowing down your heart rate and allowing increased blood flow to the brain. This signals your brain that you are safe and results in a sense of peace and calm. Because I am now more aware of my breath, I'm also more aware that I often hold in my breath, like when I get an unexpected email or an invoice for a ridiculously high amount that I didn't know that I had to pay. So these are all shocks to the system and thus signal quote-unquote danger to the brain. And it's in these moments that deep breathing can assure your body that there is actually no immediate danger and the reality is that you are completely safe. Now, my very last tip, so tip number three for managing anxiety is to reduce exercise intensity and incorporate a daily yoga practice. And I know this is definitely hard for all of us athletes out there because as someone who's been an athlete all my life myself, exercise was one of those things that was really hard for me to dial down on. I saw athleticism and exercise as part of my identity, just as I did getting good grades, trying to make everyone like me, and pretty much trying to make everything perfect. Little did I know that these were all adding extra stress onto my body. People don't often recognize exercise as a stressor because of the endorphin rush that you get after a good workout. I mean, isn't exercise good for you? Well, yes, but too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing. If you feel you need to exercise, just as you may feel you need to eat healthy or you need to eat clean, it ain't so healthy anymore. And that's often what we see in orthorexia. Too much exercise can result in high levels of cortisol, which is your stress hormone. This puts your body back into that sympathetic nervous system, so your fight, flight, or freeze mode, and it will result in heightened feelings of anxiety and, again, trouble falling asleep. I mean, think about it. How easily do you think you'd be able to fall asleep if a tiger were chasing after you? Well, that excessive exercise is making your body think you are being chased. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love working out, but one very important thing I've learned about my body on my recovery journey is that high-intensity workouts simply don't agree with me if I'm doing them like all the time. I have always been a very hyperactive and energetic person, and I found it's essential for me to move my body in some way every day, but it was a revolutionary discovery for me that movement does not equal what's commonly known as exercise or high intensity HIIT workout or any of those crazy heartbeat racing (laughs) movements, you know? Since incorporating stretching and yoga into my daily routine, which also combines deep breathing from tip number two, so double win, I have drastically improved my feelings of overall calmness and just peace of mind. If you follow me on Instagram stories, you also know I am obsessed with my walks because I get to listen and learn from audiobooks and podcasts. I mean, maybe you're even walking while listening to this. And if you are, screenshot this episode, share it on your Insta stories, tag me, and then send me a DM and tell me what you're doing on your walk and what the weather's like, because I always love hearing what you guys are doing while you are listening to this. And back to the exercise, I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, it was very hard switching up my routine and swapping out those HIIT workouts for lower intensity movement, but 
Just as with everything, it will get easier over time. As I explained in my episode on how I'm trusting the process during uncertain times, our brains do not like change. We are not called creatures of habit for nothing. When you initially do something different, it will bring up anxiety because you literally don't trust a new outcome. However, in order for your brain to learn that another outcome is also okay and may even be better, you need to allow yourself to discover this outcome through exposure. And that's all I have for you today, my friend. I hope this episode gave you a better understanding of the link between anxiety, autism, anorexia, OCD, and of course, I hope my tips gave you some inspiration to manage your own anxiety so you can finally make space to live your life in freedom. If you want to dive even deeper and get personalized guidance to overcome your anxiety and fully recover from your eating disorder which by the way again it's a hundred percent possible i invite you to check out my updated one-on-one coaching packages which can be found at livelabelfree.com forward slash coaching dash packages so that's livelabelfree like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash coaching dash packages Surviving with an eating disorder is a lonely existence, so luckily, you don't have to go through recovery alone. As always, thank you for tuning in and spending this time with me today, and I cannot wait to chat soon. Bye now! 